This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Kennedy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. Many conservatives are happy Elon Musk is buying Twitter, hailing it as good for free speech. But it's not going over well on the left. It has just been an explosion of, oh, he's racist and he's sexist and he's this and he's that. Give the guy a chance. He hasn't even started yet. And Lisa Brady. The Supreme Court fights over prayer on a high school football field. If you draw their arguments to a logical conclusion... A teacher would no longer be allowed to uh, bow his or her head in the cafeteria if they wanted to offer a silent prayer before their meal. We speak with former Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. And I'm Will Kane, and I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. It's a really big deal. Elon Musk, the world's richest person, is buying Twitter for $44 billion dollars calling the social media company the Digital Town Square. And that's worrying a lot of people on the left. The president has long been concerned about the power of large social media platforms, uh, what they ha- the power they have over our everyday lives. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. The ACLU says there is a danger giving so much power to one individual. The president of the NAACP is warning about allowing hate speech and misinformation on Twitter, urging Musk not to let Donald Trump back on. The former president was banned after last year's Capitol riot. He says he's now focused on his own truth social messaging platform. Some on the left say they're now done with Twitter logging off. They're going crazy over an electric car maker who supports free speech. That shows you how ridiculous they are. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan tells Fox. The left doesn't want you to speak. If you don't agree with them, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, they're going to attack you. They're going to try to cancel you. That all changes today. Now, Musk's Twitter acquisition came as a surprise to some. A lot of journalistic naysayers were saying, you know, Musk is just doing this for his ego. He just wants wants the global attention. He's not going to follow through. Howie Kurtz hosts Media Buzz on the Fox News channel and the Media Buzz Meter podcast. This is a guy who has made a career out of confounding the skeptics, and I thought he had a pretty good shot if he could raise the money. I mean, even for Elon Musk, $44 billion is a whole hell of a lot of cash. Uh, But he lined it up. There were no other uh, bidders, and the Twitter board didn't really have any choice, in my view, but to make the best deal for the shareholders. And now the media world is freaking out over what this means, with Elon Musk planning, at least, to take Twitter uh, private. And no surprise that it's uh, both sides have very different viewpoints of it. Republicans are talking about how this is going to be great for free speech. Let's go down that road first. I mean, they have claimed for a long time that Twitter has been silencing conservative viewpoints over and over and over again for years. 
Well, Exhibit A, the continuing Donald Trump ban. Trump now says he doesn't want to come back to Twitter. I have no doubt that Musk would allow him to do so. And I think the former president might change his mind. Exhibit B would be the squelching. And then Jack Dorsey, the former, the co-founder, admitted this is a mistake. The squelching in the end of the 2020 campaign of the Hunter Biden laptop story, right. which was not allowed to be shared. But now, of course, everybody in the media talks about it because it's it's been confirmed. Yeah. So I think the people on the right have a legitimate point. At the same time, Elon Musk is not a classic conservative. He's kind of a libertarian. He believes in letting more voices uh, thrive in a place like what he calls the digital public square, which, of course, is Twitter. Uh, I think some conservatives may be disappointed with him down the road. I think some liberals that are now beating up on him may change their tune to some extent. Remember, they loved him when he was building electric cars because that's good for the environment, pollution, and all of that. So he's brilliant, mercurial. Erratic, impulsive, and a great story for journalists. Yeah, yeah, this story is going to go on and on and on. But mm-hmm. one of the things conservatives really want is somehow they think that we're going to find out the algorithms or whatever is used by Twitter to silence their side of the story on a lot of issues. So that's really not going to happen. He's going to take the company private, right? We're not going to go under the hood of Twitter. Well, Musk has said that he would like to make these uh, that secret sauce, the algorithms, public. You really think be, he would do that, though? I don't know. I never know from one day to the next what Elon Musk is going to <laughs> do. Just when I think he's this high-minded free speech crusader, and I basically believe that he is, although I think he's going to find in practice dealing with this treacherous area of content moderation. I mean, is he going to want hate speech? Is he going to allow threats? Is he going to allow misinformation? How do you define misinformation? It's it's plagued Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all the other social media apps. But, you know, one day he is issuing these high-minded manifestos. The next he's pro- posting uh, against a rival, Bill Gates, a pregnant man emoji. So he uh, doesn't, oh, you know, he is one of the people, his critics say, you know, who... Uh, tries to uh, squelch his employees with non-disclosure agreements, who sometimes pokes a little too hard as some of his detractors on Twitter. Uh, and so he's not a perfect guy. I don't think he claims to be a perfect guy. Well, But he has a different approach. Well, he does. And and, and as you talk about, there are a lot of stories, and a lot of them are out there today, and, and they came out after the deal about how he has had these attempts at even getting reporters and journalists to sign off on non-disclosure agreements or to give him or his company a chance to look at stories before they're printed. I mean, and he's also, in other stories, gone after whistleblowers at his companies and tried to ruin them, according to these allegations. So this is not, as you said, necessarily a free speech absolutist if he's doing that for his own company's protection, right? Or no? Right. I mean, look, he's a hard-nosed businessman. You don't get to be the world's richest guy without playing hardball. And I'm not defending some of that stuff, particularly, you know, telling reporters they can't publish their stories unless Musk approves them. That's not journalism. No self-respecting journalist should go along with that. Uh, And I don't know how much hands-on involvement he's going to have. He still has got Tesla and SpaceX and his boring company to run. But I think... Maybe you could make a case, you know, his critics, I mean, it's just been, it started when he first, you know, uh, became uh, the largest single shareholder. And now since he has, the Twitter board has agreed to this purchase, it has just been an explosion of, oh, he's racist and he's sexist and he's this and he's that. Give the guy a chance. He hasn't even started yet. Um, But we'll see how he deals with the question of, do you allow people to have, quote, free speech if they are squelching other people's free speech through bullying, threats, intimidation, 
hate speech and then this question of misinformation. Yeah. It, it, it has been a problem for a lot of social media companies. I don't think it's going to be that easy for even Elon Musk to solve. It is so hard in this era. Both sides claim to have the facts, right? And both sides will claim that what the other is saying is misinformation. So how who can be the arbiter of that? Well, I don't think uh, Musk believes that there should be a single arbiter. You know, but by the way, uh, people are saying, oh, my God, a billionaire is going to be in charge of this very important uh, outlet. The world's richest man, Howie. Yes, but Jeff Bezos is also up there among the world's richest people, and he bought the Washington Post. So if the billionaire happens to have views you agree with, you say it's great. If the billionaire happens to be, you think, uh, leaning more toward the right or libertarian side, then depending on which tribe you're a part of, you either think it's great or you think it's the worst thing ever to befall civilization. I say we wait and see what the performance is like. And by the way, a lot of the people that are criticizing all these terrible, horrible things that Musk, they think Musk will do, do, and maybe they'll be right. We'll see. They all acknowledge that Twitter is something of a toxic place now. All the all the things about, you know, as I said earlier, bullying and hate speech and so forth and uh, the attacks on women and anybody in the public eye, including journalists, that's all going on now. So it's not like it's this pristine paradise that suddenly is going to be polluted uh, by the world's richest man. He is in Congress someday, going to have to face pressure from both sides. There are people on the right who still want to deal with this so-called Section 230, which gives companies in social media especially, a chance to get immunity from something that somebody else has posted on the platform and may have been removed. Do you think that that is something that is going to be weakened over time, that section, or not? I might have thought so before Musk. I think Republicans would be more inclined to give him a chance to, quote, reform Twitter as they see it. Uh, will also depend on whether or not Trump comes back. Trump has said he doesn't want to. Um, go back to Twitter, but a lot of people think uh, eventually he will. Uh, but also, uh, you know, the tech companies give a lot of money to members of Congress, so it may not be that easy to do. And who knows what the effects would be if you, if, if Twitter or, or Facebook or any of these uh, tech giants could be sued for what third parties, meaning people, their users, say on their platforms. That opens up a can of worms as well. When it comes to pushback from the left, Senator Elizabeth Warren may lead that. The Democrat calls Musk's Twitter purchase dangerous for democracy. When a billionaire amasses this much power, he plays by a different set of rules than everyone else. I think the question is, what are the legal tools available? And right now, tech is a largely unregulated field. Warren and Musk have sparred before. He once called her Senator Karen, tweeting she reminds him of a friend's angry mom yelling at everyone for no reason. This is the problem. And by the way, Elizabeth Warren has also called for the breaking up of Facebook. So she is one of the big critics of uh, Silicon Valley. Um, when you talk about holding people accountable, uh, then you get into this sort of existential debate about how do you do that? Who is going to be the grand poobah to meet out the accountability? I mean, there's so many billions of tweets and the same thing with Facebook posts, et cetera, that no, no matter how much you spend, no company can keep up with it all. So you have the Elon Musk philosophy that basically good speech will overwhelm bad speech and you let people have their say rather than banning them, shadow banning them and so forth. And then you have the other view, which many journalists who I always thought were more 
toward the free speech uh, champion side of the scale saying, no, 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 we have to have content moderation. We've got to kick a lot of people off Twitter. We can't allow this. And a lot of folks think that that's censorship, that what they really don't want is views that disagree with their own. Elon Musk, to his credit, has said, my worst critics should remain on Twitter because that's what free speech is about. Uh, I, for one, will hold them to that. But how much harder has it been for journalism in this social media age? A lot of people get their news off of their news feed on Facebook or what, or their Twitter, who they follow on Twitter. Uh, look, Twitter is, in one way, a tremendous uh, advance in communications around the world, and not because it has the biggest platform and Facebook is far bigger, but because it has become kind of a global news service. Journalists feel like they have to be on it along with uh, techies and politicians. And so it punches above its weight. It may not be the biggest tech platform there, but it has a huge influence on news coverage. Uh, indeed, things that might otherwise be sort of minor feuds on Twitter get blown up and often make it onto the air or onto the other parts of the web. Um, and so Twitter is important. Who controls it is important. The fact that it's probably going private is important. And Elon Musk, not a Boy Scout by any means, and I don't think he would claim that. He's had his problems with the SEC over uh, tweets that he should not have posted. Um, but we're going to see a very different philosophy when this deal finally closes. Last question. What does Twitter's purchase by Elon Musk mean for Facebook or any of these other social media type companies? That's an intriguing question. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has his own problems, uh, not least of which has to do with this whole question of content moderation. And it's always changing. You can say this, you can't say that, but later you can say it because the mainstream opinion moves. I think Twitter, with Musk's innovations, and we haven't even talked about the technological changes that he hopes to bring to it. Um, the current management has not done a great job. It's why it's never made much money. Uh, could turn Twitter into certainly much more of a competitor for some of the other social media giants. Uh, on the other hand, if he's a flop, if people get off, if many liberals don't want to be part of Twitter anymore, that could help his rivals. So it's a story that we'll all have to continue to cover. Howie Kurtz, host of Media Buzz on the Fox News Channel and the Media Buzz Meter podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This is Will Kane with your Fox News commentary coming up. This week is seven years in the making for Joseph Kennedy, who was fired as an assistant high school football coach in 2015 in a fight over free speech, religious liberty, separation of church and state. He used to kneel on the 50-yard line in prayer after games and says he never told his players from Bremerton High in Washington State to pray with him, though many did, raising concern they may have felt compelled to join in to be in the coach's good graces. When the school district uh, said, hey, we can eliminate all of this, the, the what ifs if I only just stop praying with the kids. And that's exactly what I did. I never prayed with another one of my students again after the school district told me not to. But Kennedy was still suspended and fired in part after students from an opposing team joined one of his solo prayers on the field. He spoke to Fox's Martha McCallum after Monday's arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court, where coercion was one of the issues raised by Justice Elena Kagan. The idea of why the school can discipline him 
is that that puts a kind of undue pressure, a kind of coercion on students to participate in religious activities when they may not wish to. But there were also questions about whether Kennedy had a duty to tell students not to participate. Justice Neil Gorsuch highlighting a school policy that prohibits either encouraging or discouraging private student prayer. Jeremy Dice is with the nonprofit law firm First Liberty Institute, representing Kennedy. People of faith have the right to be teachers at our public schools. They've got the right to be coaches on our football fields. As the court said back in 1969, it can hardly be argued that either students or teachers must shed their constitutional rights and they walk through the schoolhouse gates. Dice is hoping the justices decide too many people are having to choose between their faith and their job and that Kennedy's prayers are protected speech. Well, I think Coach Kennedy has a, a very good chance of the court deciding in favor of his ability to express his faith as he saw fit. Former Education Secretary Betsy DeVos is part of an amicus brief filed in support of Kennedy. Uh, It's really unbelievable that the case has had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. The amicus brief really picks apart the Ninth Circuit Court's ruling in this case, arguing in part that the facts were revised and then misinterpreted and not in line with Supreme Court precedent. What did they get wrong with the facts? Well, I think the Ninth Circuit, if you, and and I'm no lawyer, but if you draw their arguments to a logical conclusion, a teacher would no longer be allowed to uh, bow his or her head in the cafeteria if they wanted to offer a silent prayer before their meal in the presence, you know, of other teachers and, and students. And, you know, this this assault on the First Amendment This is just another really, I would say, egregious example of that. And I think that uh, Coach Kennedy will ultimately prevail in the reassertion of the opportunity individuals have to express their faith is is a really important one to reassert. How much of things like that, like someone, you know, bowing their head silently at lunchtime in the cafeteria, for example, or prayer before and after high school games in general, which seems like it could be a relatively common thing. I mean, how much of this already goes on in in schools? How much leeway is there with the establishment clause right now? Well, it's become increasingly difficult in more and more places. Um, We've seen more and more individuals have, you know, their expressions, their personal expressions of their faith, either questioned or, uh, you know, they've been forced in some cases to stop them. And I I think that this is an important moment. This case is an important one, again, to really reassert and reexamine what the First Amendment says. And it's, it's freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And yet many of our, you know, cultural pressures have been around trying on the part of some to eradicate other people's ability to express their faith. What about parents, though, who want their kids to not have a risk of any exposure to religion in public schools? Well, I I mean, I think that's that's a flawed approach. Um, Someone's beliefs are always going to be taught and shared. And whether it's a secular religion or a more commonly known and understood religious faith, somehow beliefs are getting transmitted. And, you know, more broadly, 
the idea that we should be able to talk about ideas, disagree on different things, but not to try to, you know, keep anyone from being exposed to anything. I don't, that's not the issue here. The coach, as I understand it, and as was relayed to me, um, he would do this routinely after football games and others were welcome to join him, but nobody was compelled to join him. And for those who might be offended by seeing someone kneeling on the field praying, all they need to do is look somewhere else. I mean, it's not really an infringement on their turf or their rights. There is this underlying issue, and it came up during the Supreme Court arguments, too. Um, The issue of whether students inherently feel pressure to join in, to curry favor with the coach, even if he doesn't want them to join in or isn't, you know, pressuring them to join in. Um, that seems like a tough issue to get around. I mean, you, you know, you want to make the coach happy. (laughs) If you think that going and joining a prayer, whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, is, is going to help you do that. Then there's, you know, what about that argument of, of the pressure? Um, even if he's not, you know, exerting that pressure on the students. Well, I think that, uh, those are all obviously issues that the justices were trying to test and get at. But I think the, the, the question is, how much do students believe a teacher, a coach, or whomever versus, you know, where does, where does trust and uh, understanding come into a situation like this? And again, I just circle back around to the, the notion that this case is a real important uh, test, again, of the First Amendment rights that were, you know, written into our constitution by the founders of our country with great intention. And we've seen First Amendment rights getting assailed across the board, um, be they on higher ed campuses where individuals come and you know share some perspective on something that is in opposition to students on campus and, and then getting shouted down or you know, in some cases, forcibly removed from campus. So this notion that uh, we're somehow going to put uh, exterior boundaries around how an individual can express um, their faith and or speak freely about an issue, this this has been an erosion over the last number of years in our ability to do that and i think this this case is an important one to come back around to and i am i i'm very hopeful and optimistic that the court will will find in favor of uh of the coach and his desire to be able to express the faith his faith as he sees fit and i hope that the court will strongly affirm that do you consider this case to be part of a broader groundswell of concern about what should or shouldn't be allowed in school? Well, I think that certainly this is one issue that has uh, has arisen to the level of the Supreme Court. But the, the reality is that teachers in public schools should not be held hostage to the union's hostility toward religion. And they have regularly tested this, and this is yet another um, area of testing. But the, the idea that the separation of church and state is some sort of an invitation for the government to forcefully separate people 
from their faith is really an appalling one and one about which everyone should have grave concern. Florida, as you know, has gotten a lot of attention over its new restrictions on discussions about sexual orientation, gender identity, and younger grades. Are you surprised at how that controversy has been playing out? Do you expect more states to take similar steps? Uh, I expect that states will do what they feel is appropriate to ensure that kids can learn, that, that when kids go to school, it's, it's for learning the things that they're there to do, that you know, that issue is one that I think has really refocused people on what, you know, what is school and what is education for? And uh, kids in kindergarten and through third grade, they need to be able to be kids and get back to being kids and not be some kind of pawn in a social experiment that, uh, you know, again, I think this is you know, the, the, the ways the way in which that law has been characterized, I think, is very deceptive. And the notion of, of kids in kindergarten to third grade learning other things than um, how to learn how, how to read and how to write and how to start doing math. Uh, that's that's what kids should be able to be focused on. And uh, I, I think that's the point lots of parents are at and lots of uh uh, lots of political leaders who who are willing to stand up to this continued move toward social engineering on the part of the system. Just one more thing. What would you say to anyone who's concerned about acceptance and inclusivity and is worried that restrictions and that these kinds of debates are kind of creating a tug of war that could lead to hurtful situations or even discrimination for some children? Well, I don't think anyone can make that argument for kids in kindergarten through third grade. I mean, I have uh, grandchildren those ages and kids just want to be kids. Um, They don't want or need the kind of uh, conversation and discussion that the left would have tried to force upon them and those grades. And again, we should be we should be focused on ensuring kids are actually learning uh, we've we've been doing an a- actually a pretty dismal job of that as a country. Um, all we need to do is look at how we're doing vis-a-vis the rest of the world. And um, I think lots of people can and should conclude that we've got to get back to helping our kids learn the things they need to know to be able to be successful adults. Um, and that starts in with a solid foundation of learning in kindergarten and uh, those early years. Betsy DeVos, former U.S. Education Secretary, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lisa. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Will Kane. What's on your mind? Today is a day to celebrate free speech. But as David Sachs said on the Will Kane podcast, this is the fall of the Berlin Wall. This is not the fall of the Soviet Union. Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter is a victory for free speech. But Musk has one hell of a job 
in front of him. He has to root out a culture of censorship within Twitter. It is a culture that exists as much at the cubicle level as it does at the executive level. Little Twitter employees obsessed with mental health and toxicity are the ones that hover over the button of censorship. And Musk has to root out that cancer. What more, the Twitter user base is one of the most radically left populations in the United States of America. Much of Twitter's customers are begging its employees to silence their opposition. On top of that, here comes Nancy Pelosi. Watch as Democratic politicians now openly and aggressively begin to push to regulate speech on the internet. Fellow billionaires will apply pressure to Musk as well, as will advertisers, corporate CEOs, finance titans, and regulators. All of this will weigh heavily on Elon Musk and his defense of free speech. But there is one difference between Musk and every other corporate CEO. We are suffering from a pandemic of spinelessness, of weakness. There are many who say they believe in free speech, but bend the knee to the mob. Musk is strong. We're lucky enough that the one billionaire who believes in free speech is the one billionaire who has a spine. This is Will Kane, host of the Will Kane podcast, which you can find by going to foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch.